gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. My name is Seth Everett, and this is episode 198, as we ever approach the mighty 200. We have something really cool today. There's a new DC animated film called Superman Man of Tomorrow, and I got a chance to see it, and this is a warning because there are some spoilers in it, but we are going to talk to the supervising producer for that film, Butch Lukic, and that name may not ring a bell, but if you are an animation fan, especially a Warner Brothers animation fan, this is iconic royalty. I mean, this is a guy who was a storyboard artist back on Batman the Animated Series. He worked on Mask of the Phantasm, Sub-Zero, Justice League, Batman Beyond, the DC animated films. He's done dozens of them. And he has been upgraded now to a supervising producer, saw a lot of the designs for this film. Again, see the film because that will help you understand a lot of my questions to Butch that I'm planning. But please, check out the film for yourself. I thought it was great, and I liked it. And, you know, we've been a fan, and we say when we're not. So this is not in any way uh, affected by the fact that we have this iconic guy on the line with us now. Now, if you saw the title of today's episode, we're also going to check out the DC Fandom. Man, they had a lot of stuff there. And Victor Dandridge is going to be along in a little bit uh, for a conversation about the Fandom and the trailers to Wonder Woman 1984, the Matt Reeves Batman, uh, the Zack Snyder Justice League, the new Flash movie, the Black Adam film. It's really Suicide Squad. Did I forget something? There's got to be something else. But first, let's give a warm welcome to the iconic supervising producer, of the Superman, Man of Tomorrow, Mr. Lukic. It's an honor. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We talk about animation so much on this podcast, and it's been such a huge part of both my life and our listeners' life. And your name has been in the credits of everything, so we've seen it all. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. No, thank you. You're welcome, too. Let me ask you, uh, supervising producer, as we start off, I want to start off with, with Man of Tomorrow, Superman, Man of Tomorrow. I uh, just saw the film. What's a supervising producer versus a regular producer? Does the regular producer have to get the coffee? <laughs> yeah, I don't know anymore what supervising is or even line producer. It used to be, you know, I mean, one, when we started with Bruce, it was producer. Right. As far as all these new versions and iterations, I don't really know. what It's just, if I'm supervisor, producer, then I'm above the producer, I guess. I'm the showrunner to kind of, you know, uh, make sure everything that's going to be on screen is something I okayed or said yes to and nothing else. So. And that gets into the look, and the look is very, very unique. Um, it's it's superman it's clearly superman but you know there's a there's a costume and you didn't deviate too far tell me a little bit about what your thoughts on just the look of this character that is so iconic and everybody has an opinion and thank god he had red underwear because man that would have been hard to talk about no i'm just kidding yeah i mean look one because of uh what james and uh those guys did for the last few years they have gone the new 52 route but i wasn't I was told I didn't have to uh, follow that anymore. So I just felt, well, it's time to go back to the original and just set that up. And, you know, I mean, I think it works in animation. I think it always has. There's nothing embarrassing about it. 
No, it's it's a cla- it's a classic look. The 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 little thing on his belt is that an homage to something? Is that something of a look? It has it has a Brandon Routh Superman Returns look, but that's from the outsider point of view. Tell me a little bit about that little nugget there. Yeah, that was designed by Otto Schmidt, who's uh, one of the comic artists that would follow in his style for these designs and. He threw that in, but that was more than a year ago. So I don't know if it kind of went around at the same time as the Brandon Roof stuff. We never connected it up with that. Uh, that just might be, you know, by total accident. And it's it, it just amazing uh, the way that comes together. Um, when you're designing Martian Manhunter and Parasite, there are very different looks. Um, when you first meet Martian Manhunter, that doesn't even look like anything I'd ever seen in animation before. And Parasite turns into literally a monster that I had never seen before. And there's been so many incarnations. I'm not comparing them to one versus the other. How uh, out there were you going for? What was your inspiration behind that look? Yeah, I mean, looking at the original Parasites, I went through a lot of them and it's just, I felt, you know, they're too bulky. And they are kind of, you know, they're... Hmm. And their size and scale, it's just always about mass. And I really felt, you know what, it's time, since we're building the character through stages, uh, it's time to start him out from going from human into, you know, progressing into the creature that he ultimately becomes. But I also had Evangelion, as far as its uh, streamlined and thin, you know, long, lanky look as a reference point that I really wanted to, okay, this is, you know, it's a little bit opposite of what people have noticed as far as the way, uh, you know, Parasite has been over the years. It's just, oh, go on. No, no, I was just going to say nothing at Warner Brothers is not a team. So there's, when I I ask you, I'm not saying, did you sit in this, you know, office of yours and say, this is the way Parasite's going to look. I'm sure it's somewhat collaborative. At the same time, you know, the decisions that are made in this film are really unique because when you think of Martian Manhunter, you don't think of him as one of the early people in Superman's career, at least in movies and animation that had not been portrayed in early comic books it had but it was it's something unique and it's so funny because i knew i had read the credits and i know that he's coming and when there's that man standing in the with the top hat you don't 100 percent know and i mean far be it for me you've worked on so many of these warner brothers projects red herrings are not a surprise when it comes to this kind of stuff right well, you know, I mean, Martian, Hunter, Martian Manhunter we put in mainly because we, you know, we do we needed an alternate point of view as far as an alien that existed on Earth before Clark uh, even showed up, you know, as a baby, that had to deal with what happened uh, to him if he was afraid to reveal himself to this world because of where he came from from the 50s, basically, and saw all the um, B-movie uh, the viewpoint from, you know, television's perspective or the movies of what aliens really were to them was a major threat. So he can't, that's where he, his fear is always there that he can't reveal himself hmm. as uh, who he is to this world, not yet. And then obviously the events that are set in the movie is basically giving none of those guys any, any choice anymore. Once Lobo comes in, that's it, that's it from that point. And Lobo, and please tell me if I'm wrong, Lobo looks like Lobo. And we yeah. just saw Lobo in the Krypton show, and he has a standard look that really hasn't deviated much. Yeah, and again, look, I mean, this Lobo, I definitely grew up, uh, you know, reading. Well, I didn't grow up. I was actually working on Vitas <laughs> when Lobo came out. Uh, but that version for, of the- For our audience, please say what Vitas is. Just I, oh. give, give my audience the chance to have the, 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 the goosebumps on their arms. Yeah, Batman, the animated series. There you go. And beyond. Um, but then that Lobo, the Simon Bisley, Keith Giffen version, that's to, to me is the total Lobo. I don't see, I've seen the other variations where some, you know, the earlier one, the Keith Giffen, mm-hmm. Omega Man, but the hair's too short. I think Bisley definitely hit the character and the way he should look. And that's kind of... Otto sent me uh, three or four different versions of Lobo. He had a straight-haired Lobo, short-haired, and a punk, uh, or 
Mohawk version, and, and, but this one is, well, that's Lobo. The one that we all remember is the classic Lobo. Uh, two nitpicky random ones that I thought of when I was taking notes watching this. Uh, number one, when Lois goes to Clark's apartment, you gave her like a, a scarf? Yeah. Was that, was that a conscious thing? Because what it showed me, and I, I mentioned this to a couple of people before we had you on, it has that Superman the Animated Series feel in that there's iPhones in this or Samsung's, whatever your drug of choice is. There's, there, there's smartphones in this thing, but yet in that scene, she looks like she's right out of 1965. Like it, there's a classic look to it. And that's what I remember of the, of, of the Superman animated series in that it was retro, but it was futuristic retro. Yeah, I mean, with that, <clears throat> that's again with uh, Otto. He gave me like five different versions of Lois in dress. Mm -hmm. And he had the leather jacket version, more the punk. And then he, he also had the nice, uh, nicely dressed business suit version of Lois. But I didn't want to go that route. I wanted to, to be a little bit looser, freer. So once he, uh, the leather jacket was going to be our main. And then I felt... Well, we're not doing TV to where we can't change the costume. So one of his other versions where she was wearing the cap, I said, well, that could be her casual look when she comes and visits Clark. So it was more to do with that. I just didn't want to throughout the whole movie to actually be wearing the same clothes if we didn't right. need to. That's very Superman, the animated series. Yeah. She had a purple outfit all the time. <laughs> well, back then, because we had no choice, that's always, you have to do that. You know, you're stuck with it. You can't have costume changes. Right. Because right. now that's more money for design. Of course, of course. And the last one, uh, Lex Luthor, was there ever consideration to giving him orange hair? Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I, no, I, it's fine. It's just, it, when you think early Superman, a lot of incarnations, he I, had some hair i did think about it because i was actually reading some of the earliest uh siegel and schusters and when i you know really? the red hair version i was i gave it a thought or two but then it just went well that was burn he did that so yep. you know i i was gonna suggest to otto to try it i think otto actually did a redhead version but only in a rough form yeah, I, like like I said, it's th those are little things. Like I always wonder the thought process, and when you know, with with your accolades of being a storyboard artist, you know, you've designed so many characters that people. When I, when I go through this title, like it is, you have an iconic list um, of of shows that you have worked on, including Gargoyles. I had to get that out. Yeah, um, but the one the one aspect of this show is this movie. In, introduces Superman. Who's the target audience for this movie? Is it the person who's never seen Superman before? Is it the person who's only seen Henry Cavill? And you referenced all the recent movies that have been going on, and there's so many different looks and so many different things. Who is the target? Are they supposed to be a Superman know-it-all, or are they supposed to go into this really fresh? Well, I think it's both. I think it's partly for the guy, people that obviously know Superman, but they also want to go back to the period of, you know, before he had all the hangups and things that were happening in the last 20 years in comics and in animation. It's kind of like, you know, stripping that clean. But it's also, again, you know, like anything, you need new generations to get involved in this. So if it's an early start for them to understand who the character is, but still have a little bit of a, you know, hang up with the character because obviously he has that issue as far as being able to reveal himself to the world, not like Man of Steel, you know, but more approaching to what his parents are telling him, be good, but don't, you know, be fearful too. So again, look, I mean, there's still one or two little pieces there of a different Superman, but you, you do want to try to, bring back the classic version or at least let it feel that way a little yeah, bit of christopher reed in there you know right right and and darren chris's voice is so different from all the other voices and you know he he's it's really really different um because i to me it sounds a little bit like tom welling 
right. just in, in my head because it's it's he's younger and you can sense that that he's younger. Uh, you referenced Man of Steel. You referenced Siegel and Schuster. Let me throw Superman for all seasons. Is it a hodgepodge of that? Is there, is there something I'm missing from the books to say like that's the 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 inspiration for this this character in this film? Well, no, I, a little bit, yeah. That uh, some of that, but man, for for all seasons, it was we looked through it. I read, but some of the I like even the part where he was a teenager and he got arrested and things like that. We were thinking about that possibility, but that would have stretched the story a little too far. So we kind of just kept it simple in the beginning as far as his youth. And then we had to move on from there. And then the other versions, you know, parts of Birthright and then parts obviously of American Alien. Uh, But, you know, again, forming it together to create you know, kind of more of an original story, but those are definite reference points. It's great. And uh, like I said, when I saw that you were coming on the show, I, I, I just know your name from the credits. I mean, that's when I, when I thought of immediately off the top of my head, and I'm not, I'm not going in chronological order because we don't have that kind of time was legends of the dark Knight. Did, when you worked on Legend, did you work on the Legends of the Dark Knight, the Batman, the animated series episode with the three kids where they go in and there's the 1960s Batman and the Dark Knight Returns Batman and they're all gauging what he was? Was that, was that your thing? No, but originally, actually, Bruce wanted me to do the Frank Miller version, this, that side. Uh-huh. And I said, look, I'll do it as long as I can direct it. I don't have time to sit there and board it because I was directing my own episodes and he, because he felt I could do a, a Frank Miller take the way I drew back then, you know, but ultimately I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But luckily there we had Darwin Cook. He was just starting out coming into uh, the Batman animated series and Superman, Batman adventures. And yep. he took it and ran with it. I was jealous as hell, but what could I do? I was, I was swamped. Such a love well, I definitely letter. wanted to do it. Sure, such a love letter uh, to, to Batman. Uh, and, of course, and like I said, Hulk versus. You, did, you worked on Wonder Woman. You did Superman Doomsday. Uh, the Invincible Iron Man. Ultimate Avengers, which no one talks about ever since Disney took over. No one talks about that. But there's a couple of episodes that you were storyboard artist on of Justice League when you did... Um, the Batman Beyond, not the Justice League, the Batman Beyond The Call. And you designed the Justice League Unlimited. Did you, right. did, Micron and, 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 the, and the little golden child Green Lantern and all these guys, like that, that's, that's from your brain? I, I'm, I'm fascinated. No, that was Bruce. He designed those. But, you know, I directed and then boarded on, uh, you know, did an act myself with the other board guys. But, Bruce definitely, uh, he came up with the, the Green Lantern child, so. Yep. And uh, Big Barter wasn't really necessary to design because we just went with a Kirby version. Right. And Aqua Girl and, um, and obviously uh, Hawkman, but that's where Bruce wanted to go back to that 1940s, no, you know, no headdress on him, just straight. Uh, other than that, yeah, Bruce even, did, you know, he did that Superman design for that costume also. Because that was, you know, that is Bruce's thing. I wasn't a designer back then. Not until I became oh, a no. producer. Bruce uh, even told me once, well, you don't design. Yeah, it's true. But I learned. Now you do. Now you, we, got, <laughs> we got to get him back and, and just explain that. Because there's, there's so many uh, different, different ones. But just to kind of encapsulate those early films, you worked on... Sub-Zero and Mask of the Phantasm. At that point, when you're working on them, did you take a step back and go, holy moly, this stuff's good? Because that stuff has legendary status from a standpoint of kids love it, but adults who, I was an adult when that stuff came out. And I was fascinated by both Mask of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero. And I just wonder, while you're working on that stuff, do you recognize just how good that stuff is? I mean, look, uh, the whole Betaz era during that first three or four years, yeah, we all realized what we were working on because it was the first time anyone got that kind of press. 
for just a cartoon for kids, really. But obviously the Batman movies and the second one was about to come out anyway, was helping a lot of that. Right. But it's just the change in attitude as far as doing an action adventure animated cartoon was that where, where we, you know, we absolutely went for the Batman that we grew up with as kids. That's the Batman we wanted to see, not the super friends version. You know, we wanted to see the real Batman that Neil Adams and other guys brought into it, you know, into what we felt was the true Batman. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, pretty much that was uh, our goal. And then Mask of the Phantasm, obviously everyone was proud to work on it because it was going to be a, you know, a feature film, which was very odd for us at the time too, considering we were only like a year or two, two years away from just general still, you know, Saturday morning TV. So that was fun and interesting because you felt, well, now I'm going to do something cinematic, you know, and start approaching the way you storyboard like you're doing a film. And I think that was the first time we all felt now, you know, from that point on, we're going to compose shots and things like we're doing a movie. Because I remember, I remember talking to Alan Burnett and he had worked on the Super Friends. And so he knows that world and he right. compared that rule, world to, to this. And it just seems like what you guys are working on now, it, it literally feels like it is a descendant of that world. And if the audience that sees that film because everybody who listens to this podcast is already going to see the film. They have the reference of Batman, the animated series and everything that, that followed it. And it's, it's a legacy. And yet you don't have to have seen that stuff to know what the Superman S is or what the Batman symbol is. Like you can jump on to these characters and not have seen anything before, or you have this pedigree of all this stuff and Oh my God, the sky's the limit. Right. And you know what? I mean, back then, the only thing that we had collectively that we all have seen over the years here or there was uh, the Fleischer version of Superman. And that really was the one only thing that any of us had, like, well, this is kind of what we want to get to or approach as far as that quality level and the noir aspect of, uh, you know, trying to do TV series within but that was Bruce before I got on board and everything. But once I saw his test, I, I was working at Marvel at the time, waiting for X-Men to happen. But I decided, screw this. I'm heading over there. And so did uh, Boyd Kirkland and Frank Parr. Yeah. And Frank Parr wound up working on uh, Spawn. And, right. you know, and that whole legend and Eric Radomski and all, all those guys. And it, it really is uh, an iconic run congratulations on superman man of tomorrow uh i look forward to uh talking with more people who are involved in it and like i said uh especially if people are still at home it's a great reintroduction to superman and i hope people really enjoy it yeah i hope so too and look again honestly yeah we do need some entertainment now that we're all kind of stuck and we're working luckily for us we've been able to keep working because we're in animation so we don't have to have any physical contact with anybody, but right, exactly. you know, animation can still go. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. Right. We suggested, we suggested back in the day when the, when the whole thing started and the flash and Supergirl were wound up that they should put together and get those people who do the flash animation, you know, the really quick animation like Archer, right. um, that they should get the actors to voice the finales and animate them. And people would, I thought in droves, people would have gone to see the finales of The Flash and Supergirl because animation is the thing that works. Right, right. It's COVID free. It's, it's very <laughs> simple. Hey, man, uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, we appreciate it. And I look forward to having you on again. We can go back and look back at, at even more of your career. No, definitely. Thank you. Take care. Noise, 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 smoking weed, smoking weed, doing coke, drinking beers, pack her ass, my good man, time to kick back, drink some beers, and smoke some weed. We'll get back to the Hall of Justice in just a moment, but first, a message from my friends, wait, Jay and Silent Bob? I know we had Kevin Smith on the podcast recently, and a lot of you are listening, that also came to the podcast because of that. They have two games that I want to tell you about, they're card games not digital games. We're not talking about something on a computer. You can play this with your friends, you can play this with your family while we wait out the quarantine. We have 
the Big Fat Cardon Game. It's ideal for fans of card games, comics, superheroes, cringeworthy decisions, and smack talk. There's three play modes. You can do price mode, pick mode, battle mode, and sold on Amazon. Anywhere you can find it. Customer reviews currently 4.9 out of 5. And the content, yeah, it's Jay and Silent Bob, so you know it's totally inappropriate. Then they have the Smell My Finger game. You have to see this to believe it. Created by Jay and Silent Bob decades ago, now sharing their love to sniff and rip. There's 12 wearable fingers that are used in the game, and you compete with your friends, picking scents of your choice, placing them in the fingers, battling, earning points for smelling correctly. That, currently 4.8 out of 5 on Amazon. The scents you use for the game can be found in your own home or wherever you want to go to find funky smells. That's up to you. The party game that smells like fun. Smell my finger and the big fat cardon game. Yes, there's a play on words. It's from Jay and Silent Bob. Who else? The hits just keep on coming with Warner Brothers, and this is not animation. This is about some live-action CW Batwoman. The complete first season is now available on Blu-ray, DVD, and on-demand. The Blu-ray includes a limited-edition bonus disc. The Blu-ray includes a limited-edition bonus disc with all five episodes of the crossover event, the Crisis on Infinite Earths, and bonus features galore. Batwoman is the first season of this brand new series, and it's the only season that's going to feature Ruby Rose as Kate Kane, because there's going to be major changes going on in next season. There's a new Batwoman, there's a new character, it's a whole new thing. This is the definitive Batwoman, and this is the first season, and it's the only season featuring Kate Kane. You can check it out on Blu-ray. Meanwhile, meanwhile, The Flash Season 6 is also out on Blu-ray this week. And that includes five episodes of the crossover Crisis on Infinite Earths as well. And the best moment there is actually from Arrow, where Grant Gustin Flash meets Ezra Miller. And if you think about everything from the fandom, that connects to Grant Gustin. That's pretty, pretty phenomenal. The Flash Season 6 is available on Blu-ray, DVD, and on demand August 25th. This is the most recent season of The Flash, and of course, it was shortened a bit by COVID-19, so was Batwoman, but they tied up the stories, and you can see exactly how, and really, the cliffhangers that are at the end of these seasons, you need to see before you can find out when season seven begins, or season two of Batwoman. The Flash, season six, Batwoman, season one, both available wherever you can find Blu-rays, DVDs, and on-demand digital. Thanks for staying with us here on the Hall of Justice. And here we'll get right to the rest of it. Uh, Victor Dandridge and I did a live recording at Wizard World Virtual to discuss the DC fandom. And it was a great show that we did. You can find it on their YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook pages. Oh, and one thing. No comments on social media about my microphone. There was a setting. It wasn't my fault. It, well, it kind of was, but there was a setting that changed and nobody said anything and I didn't know and I feel really badly, but my microphone was not set correctly, so I sound a little different, okay? But for this purposes, this was what we were going to do just for the podcast. This is about the DC fandom. Uh, DC owned social media. Oh my God. They had a, a virtual event like yes. this one, a virtual event, but it was from a company, not a mm -hmm. Comic-Con, you mm -hmm. know? It's very different, and it was called the DC Fandom. That's right. Which is a unique name. Yep. Um, and they got 22 million views across 220 countries in a 24-hour run. What? Yeah, that's pretty dope. That is pretty dope. I... <laughs> You know what, it, and it's interesting too because we're coming off of you know other conventions that try to do a virtual move, uh, specifically you know Comic Con International uh, going virtual, and they didn't have big you know platform pieces like Warner Brothers or DC um, showing anything. So 
this was really a time for them to cultivate what information they wanted to share and shine. And 22 million, they were shiny. Like, that's a good move. And we'll go through all of them. And, and you'll see, like, I'll rank what I thought was the biggest, but we'll start, I guess, in chronological order. We saw yep. another trailer of Wonder Woman 1984. Mm -hmm. And this movie cannot come out fast enough. I mean, if you, if you want to Milan it and you want to charge me eighty dollars, I'll pay for it. Wow! I mean, I don't, wait, don't say that. Don't say it because I don't no, want to think about it. <laughs> Family of four goes to the movie theater. I mean, you, you're absolutely in New York. Sixty bucks in New York. Would, you're absolutely right. It would cost more to to just go to the movie theater. Eighty bucks right now. Easily put it on iTunes or 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 you know whatever HBO Max or whatever. Right. Charge me eighty dollars. I'm in. Wow. I mean. You know what i can't even i can't even deny that though um as long as it's a platform where 80 dollars and you own it i think that's smart now right, i don't right. know if that's exactly the that's not the, the mulan right model mulan think, you get it for yeah, like no, no, no. Uh, like three days and you can yeah. watch it as many times as you want right yeah i i think uh i would much rather from a business standpoint i would rather put the 20 dollar price tag you rent it for two to three days and up until i don't know the next three months you it's on there but every time you want to get that three-day window, it's 20 bucks. I think that's, you wow. will make back your, you know, however much they've invested in that movie so far. But, yeah, they would. They would. But it looks great. Uh, Kristen Wiig, they saw her as a full-on We cheetah. did get to see her. That mm. was cool. Mm. Um, the shenanigans with, uh, with uh, how is Chris Pine. Right. And by the way, that is one of our top five favorite episodes. I mean. We did an episode of the podcast of, how in the hell is Chris Pine in Wonder Woman 2? We were calling right? it Wonder Woman 2 back then because he dies in, spoilers. Spoilers, he spoilers. Dies, he dies in, in episode uh, one. Um, uh, you know, the first the first Wonder Woman. Right. Um, how does he come back? We still don't know, but right. he's back and he's he's charming as, as anything. Of course. He's great. Uh, gal, she only has like one line in the trailer. She just goes, uh, Barbara. What did you do? What did you do? Oh. Stop Shut it. Stop it. Look at, you, look at you. Look at you. That's look my, at you. That's my Gal Gadot. That's my lady. <laughs> no, my buddy John Paul, he had me cracking up because we were just talking about it. And he did kind of poke fun at the fact that Steve's line was that she hasn't aged a day. And it was like, homie, neither of you. Like, yeah. you realize, like, <laughs> you were born. I hope they like, play that out in the real scene, right? Yeah. Like, you were born in the 1800s, my man. Like all of a sudden, you look pretty good too. So yeah, and and yeah. what I mean by Gal Gadot, because I don't want to come off like a predator or anything. Uh, <laughs> she has this Israeli accent. Yes. And I went to Hebrew school because I'm Jewish. Right. Every one of my teachers sounded just like her. None of them looked like her. <laughs> fair game. Fair game. Um, so yeah, she's 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 glorious, and yes. she is so bright. Yes. Her costume is so bright. And it's so funny because DC has gone through these modes where they want now everything to be super bright. Everything should be as it should have been. Right. <laughs> you know, um, that one, uh, I believe the, the, the new date for that is in October is the new release date is for that. for real though? I think so. I think so. So fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed. Okay. So they, they released that. There were some reveals. They revealed the new Suicide Squad lineup. That yep. was cool. That was. Um, they did Black Adam. And the news from that is Henry Cavill is going to make an appearance as yes. Superman. Yes. I was like, right I on. did. Okay, so wait, wait. Talking about the Black Adam one, I really like the way that they did the motion comic anim animatic. Yeah, that was that, cool. You know, it, it didn't feel rushed to me because of it. They didn't have anything, but they still could do something. And I think that was important. Yeah, I thought that was that, that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um. That was you know that was that was that was that was pretty impressive. There's talk about the Flash movie. Yes. Uh, including an appearance by Batfleck himself. Yes. Uh, ben Affleck's Batman. Now they had already announced Michael Keaton. Right. I think that was the last time we did the podcast on mm -hmm. this virtual. Was Michael Keaton is going to reprise his Batman role? Mm -hmm. And we don't know how that's going to turn in, but it's something with Flashpoint. It's right. something with a multiverse. And that's something that DC has that Marvel doesn't really make a big thing about. Like right. they have this multiverse where you can have six versions of Batman and every one of them counts. Yes. And Superman counts because if you like this Henry Cavill character, that's yours. Right. But if I like Christopher Reeve, that's mine. That's yours. If right. you like Tim Daly, 
right? That's your, that's his or hers, and, and it doesn't make a difference. And I think the Flash is going to make that. The best line from Fandom, though, ooh, was, ooh. was I think it was Jeff Johns who said the crossover with Grant Gustin mm-hmm. is how Ezra Miller gets the idea to call himself the Flash. Wow. Wow. Okay. How, how that's awesome that's that? cute. That's Come cute. Come on. That's super cute. I like that. Actually, I heard that uh, there might be another Batman that's going to appear in that one. Uh, Jeffrey D. Morgan, they're saying is a rumored uh, return for the Thomas Wayne character as Batman. So, oh um, wow, yeah, yeah, we're gonna get lots of Bat in that in that Flash piece. That looks, um, and, and and I'm somebody who didn't want that movie, right? And this now get cool. me that movie. But yeah, I think the movie that we were talking about years ago, that's right? not this. No, no, that script doesn't exist. I think this is a smart. Right. Yeah. I think this is a smart evolution where they see that, uh, you know, there's, there's an opportunity that the flash, uh, the Arrowverse TV show did with crisis. And they're like, let's do that. Let's do that in a, in a big movie form. And I think that's very smart. I totally, I am. I'm, I'm totally in on that. That was, uh, that was very cool. The flash movie just now looks great. Mm-hmm. And supposedly he's getting a new costume Ooh. and that's even better. Like yeah. if you told me, that Justice League, and we'll get to Justice League, right? But that that costume is his year one hodgepodge costume when he's still like a young kid, right? Fine, cool, cool. I don't have to hate it then, right? Uh, like I, I just don't want that to be his costume. Right. You're gonna get me a streamlined costume that's a hybrid of John Wesley Ship, Grant Gustin, and something else. Make it so. Oh, just do it. Just do it. Give me that costume yeah. and yeah. Make me love it. I just, <laughs> I will, I will just love it. You'll wear um, it all the time. I know you will. You want to do Snyder or you want to do Matt Reeves? Um, Snyder meant more to me than Matt Reeves. Oh well, then let's do Matt Reeves then. Okay, let's, let's let's yeah, let's build up. I'm not knocking it. It just it looks like a young Batman movie. Yeah. And I remember the feeling I got after Batman the Animated Series was over, mm-hmm. and then they came out with the Batman with Weirdo right. Romano, and I was like okay another one right and beware the batman came out and it was okay another one and it was another one and another what is that uh, dj college another one <laughs> another, another one. one and another one uh, <laughs> um and that just that's what this feels like um really it doesn't feel like the be all the end all definitive mm. batman um because i saw batman begins right and I'm not comparing it to Michael Keaton. I'm not comparing it to, my, to to Christian Bale. I'm just saying I've seen another one. And the, when the trailer came out, I retweeted it. Mm-hmm. And I gave one of those like emojis. Right, you know? right. The thoughtful. Because I'm, I'm into it. I'm who am I? Who are we kidding? We house this podcast. We're I mean, podcast. of course we're going to see it. We're There's seeing no this movie. Yeah. But what I'm saying, and he, some guy, whoever he was, and he could be in this, this, this stream here, he wrote, um, at what point do the Waynes get murdered? <laughs> I, said, I mean... I said, because could you have the 76th time that the Waynes get murdered <laughs> on screen? <laughs> I, it just, it was neat. It's, right. uh, you see the, the uh, inference of who the Riddler is. Right, right. Dark and creepy, that's cool. Right. Um, um, uh, Zoe Kravitz is in it. She's, oh my God, I love Catwoman. her. I love her she's with amazing. all things. And she's yes. the daughter of Lisa Bonet and one right. of the greatest rock and roll musicians of all time. Say it again, say uh, it again. Lenny. Right. Um, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. Can I do a quick tangent on yeah, Zoe Kravitz? Did you see the sarcastic thing when her show... Uh, high fidelity high fidelity no what said well the saving grace of losing high fidelity is that there's plenty of uh, uh, uh hulu shows run by black women out today wow like wink wink and i was like right on wow for her okay i'm not mad at that her. she stepped up right yeah. there like open the door she, but it was subtle and it wasn't like whiny it wasn't it super was, snark yeah yeah it was it was, it was sharp I, I thought it was sharp. Anyway. i like that i like that Andrew. Okay, so I had a different take on this on this Tell Batman me. trailer. Um, so number one, the Batman, I was I was very curious about of the why. Why are we having this movie? Obviously, um, yeah, because I mean we already have like we have an established new Batman. So to create another Batman in the midst of You're that, you're talking about Ben Affleck. Yes, okay. um, that it it becomes very you know convoluted, very complicated. Why? Um, mm-hmm. What I enjoyed was the tone 
of it felt like not my Batman, mm-hmm. but potentially the Batman of a 20 something who is is on the cusp of being a comic book fan and might not be. Like I thought that was something really interesting that it was it was a gateway Batman for uh, kind of the millennial crowd. And I was very I'm very interested in seeing how that plays out. Like is the okay. concept of Batman gonna evolve? I don't I don't think it's awful. I by yeah, no means yeah. do I think it's awful. All I'm saying is cool, this is this decade's Batman. Like right. the, the, the next version. We're in 2020. The 20s is the Robert Pattinson era. The right. 80s, late 80s, 90s was right. Michael Keaton and then Val Kilmer and, right. and, and George Clooney. The, the 2000s mm-hmm. were the Christian Bale ones. Right. This decade is going to be this guy. And okay. I'm with that. Okay. And if, if you believe in the multiverse thing, this is another Batman. Yeah. Just like the Batman TV show is another TV show. And Beware That's the right. Batman is another TV show. And it doesn't make... Batman the Animated Series, not my favorite. Doesn't have to be your favorite. favorite. Doesn't have to be least favorite. No, it does have to be your favorite. If it's not your favorite, we're gonna have words when I see you. Well, you but you know, you know. Okay, all right. I'm just I'm just letting it be known. I'm not saying I'm not threatening anybody. I'm promising if Batman the Animated Series is not your favorite, (laughs) no, it's gotta have some words. No, and 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 I got to talk to Butch Lukic who designed uh, a bunch of the characters. Nice their looks, and he did a bunch of that stuff. He worked on Sub-Zero and Mask of the Phantasm. Come on, man. Some of the greatest Batman stories, not and from a the comic. The question I ask, and Come obviously on. if you're listening to this on the podcast, you've heard me say this before, but if you're watching on Wizard, he says, I, I ask him, I said, at what point while you're working on this, do you step back and go, holy crap, this is good. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is amazing stuff. Like when he's designing the Batwing, the 3D Batwing in yes. Sub-Zero. Yes. And you're like, what? I I, I wanted that so bad. Oh my like, God, that was, it, it's, it, yeah. they're so, they're so good. And, th- and that's fine. That's why we do a podcast that says you got to be old. That's right. Robert Pattinson, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen Robert Pattinson in anything. What? And Never? Andrew Garfield, and somebody brought this up on yeah. social media, when Andrew Garfield got Spider-Man, mm-hmm. I had seen him in the Facebook movie. Okay. So I knew who he was. Right. I don't Twilight. I'm not a look at me. I'm not no, a no, Twilight yeah, person. Whatever, man. You're a Twilight fan. You can't. I, um, I, I couldn't tell you. And and Mike over at Wizard knows if I have not seen something, I have no idea. You, you what don't it know is. what it is. You don't know what it is. <laughs> no, there's that there's that meme that's going around on the internet that people are like, this is Batman, and they're showing him as Edward from uh from the Twilight series. And the response is no. This is who is Batman, and there are little snippets from other movies where he's clearly playing some very thought out, you know, well versed characters. But I mean, obviously, you you might know him best from Twilight, but you can get some love from Harry Potter. He was in that. He, he was, was in that. Harry Potter. Yeah, I think he was in the fourth one. I Will I get kicked one? off this thing if I say I haven't seen Harry Potter? Okay, now I'm I'm oh man, never saw it. Oh my god! And there was this whole Seriously? controversy because they were going to take it off HBO Max, and I was yeah. just like, okay. And you didn't even care. I didn't even notice. Come on, man. I didn't even notice. I did notice that they put a bunch of uh, DC animated movies. Though. Yeah, they did. I watched they... uh, Flashpoint Paradox last night. I love that movie. And I own it, but I don't care. It's I right wanted there. to watch it's, it on HBO. It's Max. right there. It's right there. Yeah, yeah. I've totally I've been right binging there. it a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I have. I'm not gonna lie. It's so good. It's there's no question. It's so good. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm not down on Matt Reeves. I okay. just I wasn't gaga for it that's fair like anybody else it was it, okay uh, you know i'll be I there think, first day i'll be there i think everybody that was truly excited was expecting the worst and the fact that it was not terrible was automatic elation so i, I do put that out there that i think for the most part everyone that i've talked to about it they just knew that this was going to be utter trash from the onset and watching this trailer they're like well it's maybe not it's trash. not no it's and, not and supposedly it's it's year two and the right. hbo max gotham show right gotham pd show i think it's called mm-hmm. um takes place one year before this movie which is right. genius by warner brothers yes because yes. now you're gonna see the origins of people that you met in this movie and supposedly batman exists in that right. show unlike gotham right and you could do a prequel, and yes. unlike Gotham. And that was my whole thing is like, they're saying, oh, you'll see young Oswald P- Cobblepot. And I'm like, Robin Lord we Taylor nailed that. Yeah, like, we saw he that. He did great at that. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's going to be a fun experiment. 
it'll be fun, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not going to be worse than Man of Steel. Oh, come on. Come on. It's not going to be worse than What's really what's a really bad What's one? a really bad one? The Joss Whedon Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> Perfect segue. Well, um, before we do, but yeah. you have seen uh, the Ray Fisher uh, allegations. Yes. Yes, and I have. Ray Fisher has gone out of his way to say that he wants an investigation and Warner Brothers is going to launch one. And I have no reason to think Ray Fisher's lying. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yet let due process take, take of course. course. Ray, um, Ray is an absolute sweetheart. I do want that to be known. And he has been a champion. You've done wizard things with yeah, with yeah, yeah, Fisher, yeah, right? yeah. I have. Um, and he's he's been glorious to work with. It was like the first time we worked together, it was him and Ezra, and then I've worked with just him. And Ray is uh, an absolute treasure. But one of the things I do want to point out is that his support of Zack Snyder has been so day one it's not funny like it's when i saw consistent. them yeah. um, at san diego uh before justice league came out yeah he had a you know i heart z s t-shirt on uh because he is so you know a champion for Zack snyder his vision what he had intended um and i think if it wasn't for that uh he might have walked away from being in justice league a as a whole because the experience was just that not good but i think he wanted to see you know, some form of what Zach had wanted and it had intended to carry through. So I'm really glad that he's getting this opportunity. Before they announced the trailer and they showed the trailer, and it's just so funny because that's the funny part about Comic-Cons like this mm -hmm. because they all show up on Twitter and YouTube in seconds. So right. I, I still don't understand how those things work. Got to be in the room, man. You're in the room for the experience. Yes. Not for the news. Yeah. No. 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 Not for the content. When when people come to Wizard Cons, they're going because they want to hear Tom Welling. Yes. Not. They don't need to see a trailer of a new movie. I, I, I don't know. But the the um, they announced that Justice League Snyder Cut mm -hmm. is four hours long. Yes. Which yes. is slightly longer than Watchmen. True. And I'll sure. make a parallel here because the trailer is a parallel to Watchmen mm -hmm. in that I always said about the Watchmen movie that I wished it was a miniseries. Yes. That if it was a six-part miniseries, it's three and a half hours. If you expand that to four and you do eight half hours or four hours, whatever right. you wanted to do, I think it would be the greatest thing till the Watchmen miniseries that right. went on HBO this year. This is going to be available as a standalone movie. Right. But it will also be available as a four-part miniseries. Genius. Wow. Genius, man. Wow. Come on. If there's anybody that's taking advantage of, of format opportunities, it's Zack oh Snyder right God. now. Like, come on. That's so that's so smart. Because by, by breaking it down into the one-hour pieces, he probably is getting more time than he would have if he had to force this as a theatrical. You know? Oh, my um, God, yes. Like, right, because you, know, you couldn't do a four-hour movie. Right, like nobody, nobody would approve it. No, right. not that anybody would walk out on a four-hour movie going into it. They would know. They're like, cool, I'm there. But breaking it down means that people get to take their time and enjoy it, and that's amazing. And if you remember when we talked about Watchmen in an mm -hmm. early episode of this show, we, I said that I didn't love it in the theater. Right. Because I had to go to the bathroom for like two <laughs> hours. Of it. And and. Um, when uh, Endgame came out, right? I influenced the I, I introduced the Watchmen rule, right. which is you can't eat for eat or drink anything for That's two right. hours prior to the movie. That's right. You can't you you can't let that happen to yourself. When Endgame came out, we were ready. Right. When we we're Watchmen. I wasn't. And then when I got the DVD or the Blu-ray, whatever it was, and there's the Watchmen Ultimate Cut, which is right. longer still. That's right. I loved it. I loved it i thought it was great right uh, jackie earl haley owns it uh as rorschach it's so good um and that's what Zack snyder can do and there's a moment in the trailer where the guy's in the lab room and he's mm -hmm. like gets like incinerated yeah 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 it looks like dr manhattan it does it does that's a uh, silas stone victor stone's dad Right. So when Cy oh, Cyborg's crazy. dad is going to have a totally different presentation. That's in this movie, crazy. Come on, let's go. Like it's this is so a brand different. new movie. And the first thing in the trailer is Darkseid. Yes. yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> it's totally different. And it they, he said in the panel, there is nothing from the Joss Whedon stuff in right. this. Not and if all. that's the case, then you don't have the thing where Superman's laying on the, on the thing going, 
Oh, I wish I was dead. <laughs> Although I I am remiss to to lose the uh, the Superman eye tracking scene, which was absolutely my favorite of Justice League. When Flash starts running and Superman's eye starts tracking him, and he's like, "Wait, can he see me right now?" That that was my favorite part. But it, but at the same time, that's that's kind of part of the problem, isn't it? If that's my favorite part of Justice League, <laughs> it's a bad movie. That's a bad movie. So yeah. I can't wait to see what this does. But let's let's get into what this trailer brought out. You start off with, with Darkseid, you felt the energy of this one. The depth of it is huge. Absolutely great. huge. And yeah. the, the, the black costume. Yes. So yes. that means that Superman's not going to come out in a bath. No, no. Um, that they're going to, I mean, they might not bring him back like the, co- the, the, the comics, right. but they're going to do something that's going to re- just make you care that he was dead. Yes, <laughs> just, yes. I mean, that, um, to me, that that's that's all it is. Like, he, absolutely. He, remember when he dies in Batman v Superman? It's the worst kept secret in the world, right? And that movie was crushed because who are you joking that you're going to have a Justice League movie and he's not going to be? And in he's it. not going to be in it, right? Like, and it was just so anticlimactic when he comes back, right? That was that was especially because we had so many different thoughts that you know the way that he was going to come back was that Dark Side was going to get him resurrect him and send him against the justice league like that was our fan interpretation which i do believe would have been better than what we got so um and and i think that's one of the best things about this snyder (laughs) cut is the 2020 visions that he's had to hear all this stuff and he knows okay make this move but not that move let's do this let's do that it's about to be like the best the best thing i mean it looks incredible it does look great they're they're saying 2021 right and what I've heard is that there's not been a major COVID interruption. That okay. they've been able to take enough footage. There has to be reshoots. Like oh, there's yeah. going to be yeah. reshoots. Of course. But nothing that is going to be totally delayed. And supposedly they're doing it in London. And right. if you're watching in London, they're doing it better yeah, in America. Yeah, yeah so, they are. So whatever you're doing in London, keep Thank doing you. it. Um, flatten the curve. And right. supposedly it's coming out now. Nobody has said t- what part of 2021. Right. And I think they're leaving that nebulous because if it's February, great. If it's May, great. Like we don't right. know what 2021 is going to be. Exactly. We could have, you know, another shutdown. We, we, you don't know. And I'm not predicting anything. I'm we're definitely not getting into any um, political right. stuff. But this idea that you don't know um, leaves it wide open. And well, yes and no, because at least they've they've very smartly made it so that uh, a theatric release is not the determination. It's it's set to premiere on HBO Max, which by having it set to premiere through an app gives it worldwide release opportunities, no matter what is happening. And and dare I say, without wishing for it, uh, it does almost work better if we are still under quarantine protocols for this to happen. It will be the, the largest. Will go up. Oh right. my God. It'll be like the largest superhero movie opening of all time because no one else will be able to do anything. So, Maybe. you know, where Maybe. whereas where Endgame came out, there were theaters that were sold out and people got turned away. You never have to turn anyone away. Like that's that's crazy awesome. Although Hamilton crashed once on Disney Plus. It did. It did because they didn't they didn't realize. But again, this is something that has been it's a good problem to have. Well yeah. built up, right? And then they've had this long to prepare for it. So you you create another building's worth of servers to keep that from happening because this is what people want. Now, one of the things that I had said, um, and I'm gonna walk back on a, an earlier statement about it, right? Is that I compared it to the Richard Donner cut. Okay. Okay. And I said the Richard Donner cut was literally them just sitting in an editing room, yes, hammering this thing out. I said, if you're going to launch HBO Max, and I want to say I'm sorry to HBO Max because I was not very complimentary on our review of it. And it has literally everything. And HBO is on fire with their shows. Listen, listen, it didn't start out on the best foot. But it didn't. So, yeah, your critique was not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say your critique was not unwarranted, but they (laughs) have definitely heard you and implemented. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. Dude, I was up till four last night watching The Wire. Oh my God, really? Yes. That's like so brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. 
the uh, I mean, I and I haven't touched that stuff. I haven't touched the Sopranos or any oh, wow. Six Feet Unders on there. And classic, like, man. classic stuff. But they have all these new shows. Um, I'm gonna, ki- I'm gonna kill you or something. Yeah, yeah, that show. yeah. That looks great. I haven't started that. Room 104 has another se- series. Right, right. Uh, Harley Quinn is on there. Yep. I just saw Doom Patrol on there. Love and, and, and we predicted the end of the DC Universe app. We did. We did. And I'm gonna tell you for real, the, the moment that we know that that happens is when Justice League and Justice League Unlimited show up on HBO Max. That's when it's over. That is that is 100% when that's, it's over. That's the one thing that's missing. Yes. I, I, I could go even further to suggest like maybe Batman the Animated Series or Superman the Animated Series, but 100% when Justice League goes there, DC Universe is done. It's a wrap. Yeah, they, they won't do uh, yearly subscriptions anymore. Right, right. Like they, they're shutting down. And yeah. supposedly it's going to become a comic book reading service. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Right. You know, as, as long as it has its place, but that content is incredible. It's I know cheap. that they're starting the new stuff for Young Justice is going to be on HBO Max. Yep. Um, that's that's perfect. It's great. Yeah, and yep. Green Lantern. There, yep. I mean, there's, so, there's no shortage of amazing stuff. And right. it just sounds, and this is kind of my, my last point on DC, um, it just sounds like they have a plan, but there was really disturbing news that came out of DC in that mm-hmm. Warner Brothers um, let go 25% of their workforce. I heard it was like like 33%. Oh, more? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I heard, heard it was like a third. Okay, a third. Yeah, yeah. Um, including Editor-in-Chief Bob Harris. Right. And many, many more. Um, it sounds like a bunch of comic book titles are getting shut down. Yeah. Um, you know, you could argue that there were too many anyway. Yeah. We've had a bigger picture conversation on the future of comics. And I know how passionate you are for comics. And of course, I, you know, I don't, I don't begrudge that in any way. It just sounds like DC is kind of punting here in terms of comics. And it's really weird that a bunch of people, like good people lost their job. And then DC announces all of this. Yeah. Well, I think weird timing. It, it's very weird timing, especially because one of the the insider jokes that you know, I almost I almost feel bad repeating it, but the idea was that most of the people that put together fandom got you know cut. Um, I think what's what's happening is we are seeing the business ramifications of the major merger between Warner Brothers and AT and T, and this just trickles things down. It's a natural right. business phenomenon. It's just very unfortunate for the timing, of course. But I do hope that this, you know, kind of kind of fall down allows for them to leap forward in a huge way that has them more streamlined with, um, you know, the products that they're making, the technology that they're, you know, integrating into things. Because um, we're, we're clearly seeing a growth of things. One of the things that we didn't talk about was the Suicide Squad video game that ties into the Injustice universe yeah, um, yeah. that has its that own comic cool. book yep. and, you know, all that stuff. So there's a lot of opportunity for growth and expansion after this quote unquote collapse. So I'm, I'm still hopeful for it. It's it's interesting. It's interesting, but Very. fandom. This is like part one of fandom. It was a massive success, mm-hmm. and the stuff that's coming out. Wonder Woman looks great. The Black Adam, which I wasn't caring about, now looked interesting. Mm-hmm. The Flash movie it just got me interested. The Matt Reeves looks great. I mean, great. it's gorgeous. Um, and the Snyder Cut wins. Yes, I mean, yes. Snyder Cut totally wins. And for Zack Snyder, we'll say this. Um, it's a great redemption. Yes. And last time you came on the Hall of Justice podcast, it didn't work <laughs> out that well. Right. If you want to come back again? Yeah, we man. Will welcome you with open arms. I will tell you right now, if you have Zack Snyder on without me again, me and you can fight. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> I'm just letting you know how I feel about it. I didn't know that he was going to get mad too. <laughs> so we didn't know. We didn't know. Yes. Uh, yes. But uh, yeah, no, DC fandom was definitely yeah definitely success um had a great time and uh it was great to see these things and see people's reaction to it because i mean you know it was overtly positive i I think you know i think people got energized they got excited and more than anything today we need that we need something to look forward to and that's that's awesome